0: BOOK ONE, CHAPTER SIX, PART TWO, OF THE OCTOPUS, BY FRANK NORRIS. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. AS ANNIXTER CAME TO THE DOOR OF THE BARN TO SHOUT ABUSE AT THE DISTRAUGHT CHINESE COOK WHO WAS CUTTING UP LEMONS IN THE KITCHEN, HE CAUGHT SIGHT OF PRESLEY AND VANAMY AND HAILED THEM. "'HELLO, PRES,' HE CALLED. "'COME OVER HERE AND SEE HOW SHE LOOKS.' HE INDICATED THE BARN WITH A MOVEMENT OF HIS HEAD. "'Well, we're getting ready for you tonight,' he went on as the two friends came up. "'But how we are going to get straightened out by eight o'clock, I don't know. "'Would you believe that Pip Caraher is short of lemons? "'At this last minute, and I told him I'd want three cases of em as much as a month ago, "'and here, just when I want a good lively saddle-horse to get around on, "'somebody hikes the buckskin out the corral. "'Stole her by jingle!' i'll have the law on that thief if it breaks me and a sixty-dollar saddle and head-stall gone with her and only about half the number of jap lanterns that i ordered have shown up and not candles enough for those it's enough to make a dog sick there's nothing done that you don't do yourself unless you stand over these loafers with a club i'm sick of the whole business and i've lost my hat wish to god i'd never dreamed of giving this rotten fool dance clutter the whole place up with a lot of females i sure did lose my presence of mind when i got that idea then ignoring the fact that it was he himself who had called the young men to him he added well this is my busy day sorry i can't stop and talk to you longer he shouted a last imprecation at the chinaman and turned back into the barn presley and vanamee went on but annixter as he crossed the floor of the barn all but collided with hilma tree who came out from one of the stalls a box of candles in her arms. Gasping out an apology, Annixter re-entered the harness room, closing the door behind him, and, forgetting all the responsibility of the moment, lit a cigar and sat down in one of the hired chairs, his hands in his pockets, his feet on the table, frowning thoughtfully through the blue smoke. Annixter was at last driven to confess to himself that he could not get the thought of Hilma Tree out of his mind. Finally she had got a hold on him the thing that of all others he most dreaded had happened a female girl had got a hold on him and now there was no longer for him any such thing as peace of mind the idea of the young woman was with him continually he went to bed with it he got up with it at every moment of the day he was pestered with it it interfered with his work got mixed up in his business what a miserable confession for a man to make a fine way to waste his time! Was it possible that only the other day he had stood in front of the music store in Bonneville and seriously considered making Hilma a present of a music box? Even now the very thought of it made him flush with shame, and this after she had told him plainly that she did not like him. He was running after her. He annexed he ripped out a furious oath striking the table with his boot-heel again and again he had resolved to put the whole affair from out his mind once he had been able to do so but of late it was becoming harder and harder with every successive day he had only to close his eyes to see her as plain as if she stood before him he saw her in a glory of sunlight that set a fine tinted lustre of pale carnation and gold on the silken sheen of her white skin her hair sparkled with it her thick strong neck sloping to her shoulders with beautiful full curves seemed to radiate the light her eyes brown wide innocent in expression disclosing the full disc of the pupil upon the slightest provocation flashed in this sunlight like diamonds annixter was all bewildered with the exception of the timid little creature in the glove-cleaning establishment in Sacramento, he had had no acquaintance with any woman. His world was harsh, crude, a world of men only, men who were to be combated, opposed. His hand was against nearly every one of them. Women he distrusted with the instinctive distrust of the overgrown schoolboy. Now, at length, a young woman had come into his life, Promptly he was struck with discomfiture, annoyed almost beyond endurance, harassed, bedeviled, excited, made angry, and exasperated. He was suspicious of the woman, yet desired her, totally ignorant of how to approach her, hating the sex, yet drawn to the individual, confusing the two emotions, sometimes even hating Hilma as a result of this confusion, but at all times disturbed, vexed, irritated beyond power of expression. At length Annixter cast his cigar from him, and plunged again into the work of the day. The afternoon wore to evening, to the accompaniment of wearying and clamorous endeavor. In some unexplained fashion the labor of putting the great barn in readiness for the dance was accomplished. The last bolt of cambric was hung in place from the rafters. The last evergreen tree was nailed to the joists of the wall. The last lantern hung, the last nail driven into the musician's platform. The sun set. There was a great scurry to have supper and dress. Annixter, last of all the other workers, left the barn in the dusk of twilight. He was alone. He had a saw under one arm. A bag of tools was in his hand. He was in his shirt sleeves and carried his coat over his shoulder. A hammer was thrust into one of his hip pockets. He was in execrable temper day's work had fagged him out he had not been able to find his hat and the buckskin with sixty dollars worth of saddle gone too he groaned oh ain't it sweet at his house mrs tree had set out a cold supper for him the inevitable dish of prunes serving as dessert after supper annixter bathed and dressed he decided at the last moment to wear his usual town-going suit a sack suit of black made by a Bonneville tailor. But his hat was gone. There were other hats he might have worn, but because this particular one was lost he fretted about it all through his dressing and then decided to have one more look around the barn for it. For over a quarter of an hour he pottered about the barn, going from stall to stall, rummaging the harness room and feed room all to no purpose. At last he came out again upon the main floor, definitely giving up the search, looking about him to see if everything was in order. The festoons of Japanese lanterns in and around the barn were not yet lighted, but some half-dozen lamps with great tin reflectors that hung against the walls were burning low. A dull half-light pervaded the vast interior, hollow, echoing, leaving the corners and roof thick with impenetrable black shadows. The barn faced the west, and through the open sliding door was streaming a single bright bar from the afterglow, incongruous and out of all harmony with the dull flare of the kerosene lamps. As Annixter glanced about him he saw a figure step briskly out of the shadows of one corner of the building, pause for the fraction of one instant in the bar of light, then at sight of him dart back again. There was a sound of hurried footsteps. Annixter, with recollections of the stolen buckskin in his mind, cried out sharply, "'Who's there?' There was no answer. In a second his pistol was in his hand. "'Who's there? Quick! Speak up, or I'll shoot!'
1: "'No, no, 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 don't shoot!'
0: cried an answering voice.
1: "'Oh, be careful. It's I. Hilma Tree!'
0: Annixter slid the pistol into his pocket with a great qualm of apprehension. He came forward and met Hilma in the doorway. "'Good Lord,' he murmured, "'that sure did give me a start. If if I had shot!' Hilma stood abashed and confused before him. She was dressed in a white organdy frock of the most rigorous simplicity, and wore neither flower nor ornament. The severity of her dress made her look even larger than usual, and even as it was, her eyes were on a level with Annixter's. There was a certain fascination in the contradiction of stature and character of Hilma, a great girl, half-child as yet, but tall as a man for all that. There was a moment's awkward silence. Then Hilma explained,
1: I I came back to look for my hat. I thought I left it here this afternoon.
0: <laughs> and I was looking for my hat, cried Annixter. Funny enough, huh? <laughs> they laughed at this as heartily as children might have done. The constraint of the situation was a little relaxed, and Annixter, with sudden directness, glanced sharply at the young woman and demanded, "'Well, Miss Hilma, hate me as much as ever?' "'Oh,
1: no, sir,' she answered. "'I never said I hated you.'
0: "'Well, dislike me, then. I know you said that.' "I, "'I,
1: I disliked what you did, uh, tried to do. It made me angry, and it hurt me. I shouldn't have said what I did that time.' but it was your fault
0: <clears throat> you mean you shouldn't have said you didn't like me asked annixter why
1: well-well i don't-i don't dislike anybody
0: admitted hilma then i take it that you don't dislike me is that it
1: i don't dislike anybody
0: persisted hilma well i asked you more than that didn't i queried annixter uneasily I asked you to like me. Remember the other day? I'm I'm asking you that again now. I, I want you to like me. Hilma shifted her eyes inquiringly to his. In her words was an unmistakable ring of absolute sincerity. Innocently she inquired, "Why?" Annixter was struck speechless. In the face of such candor, such perfect ingenuousness, he was at a loss for any words. Well. Well, well, he stammered, well, I don't know, he suddenly burst out. That is, he went on groping for his wits, I I can't quite say why. The idea of a colossal lie occurred to him, a thing actually royal. I like to have the people who are around me like me, he declared. I, uh, I like to be popular, understand? Yeah, that's it. He continued more reassured i don't like the idea of anyone disliking me that that's the way i am it's my nature oh then uh, returned Hilma. you
1: needn't bother no i don't dislike you
0: well that's good declared annixter judiciously that's good but hold on he interrupted i'm forgetting it's not enough to not dislike me i want you to like me how about that Hilma paused for a moment, glancing vaguely out of the doorway toward the lighted window of the dairy house, her head tilted.
1: "'I don't know that I ever thought about that,'
0: she said. "'Well, think about it now,' insisted Annixter.
1: "'But I never thought about liking anybody particularly,' she observed. "'It's because I like everybody, don't you see?'
0: "'Well, you've got to like some people more than other people,' hazarded Annixter. And I want to be one of those some people savvy. Good Lord, I don't know how to say these things. I talk like a galoot when I get talking to female girls and I can't lay my tongue to anything that sounds right isn't my nature. And look here, I lied when I said I liked to have people like me to be popular. Rot, I don't care a curse about people's opinions of me. But there's a few people that are more to me than most others Uh, that chap presley for instance and those people I do want to have like me what they think counts (sighs) I, I know I've got enemies piles of them I could name you half a dozen men right now that are naturally inching to take a shot at me how about this ranch don't I know can't I hear the men growling oats under their breath when I've gone by and in business ways, too." He went on, speaking half to himself. "'In Bonneville and all over the county there's not a man of them wouldn't howl for joy if they got a chance to down Buck Annixter. Think I care? Why, <laughs> I like it. I run my ranch to suit myself and I play my game my own way. I'm a driver, I know, it, and a bully, too. Oh, I know what they call me a brute beast with a twist in my temper that would rile up a newborn lamb and i'm crusty and pig-headed and obstinate i say all that but they got to say too that i'm cleverer than any man jack in the running there's nobody can get ahead of me his eyes snapped let them grind their teeth they can't down me when i shut my fist there's not one of them can open it no <laughs> not with that chisel he turned to Hilma again. "'Well, a man's hated as much as that. It stands to reason, don't it, Miss Hilma, that the few friends he has got he wants to keep. I'm not such an entire swine to the people that know me best. That jackass Presley, for instance. I'd put my hand in the fire to do him a real service. Sometimes I get kind of lonesome. Wonder if you would understand.' it's my fault but there's not a horse about the place that don't lay his ears back when i get on him there's not a dog don't put his tail between his legs as soon as i come near him the cayuse ain't pulled yet here on quinsabi that can throw me nor the dog whelped that would dare show his teeth at me i kick that i reset her every time i see him but wonder what i'd do though if he didn't slink so much if he wagged his tail and was glad to see me So, it all comes to this, I'd like to have you, well, sort of feel that I was a good friend of yours and like me because of it." The flame in the lamp on the wall in front of Hilma stretched upward tall and thin and began to smoke. She went over to where the lamp hung and, standing on tiptoe, lowered the wick. As she reached her hand up, Annixter noted how the somber, lurid red of the lamp made a warm reflection on her smooth, round arm. Do you understand? he queried. Why, yes, yes, she answered, turning around.
1: It's very good of you to want to be a friend of mine. I didn't think so, though, when you tried to kiss me. But maybe it's all right, since you've explained things. You see, I'm different from you. I like everybody to like me, and I like to like everybody. It makes one so much happier. You wouldn't believe it, but you ought to try it, sir, just to see. It's so good to be good to people, and to have people good to you. And everybody has always been so good to me. Mama, and Papa, of course, and Billy, the stableman, and Montalegre, the Portuguese foreman, and the Chinese cook, even, and Mr. Delaney only he went away, and Mrs. Vaca and her little
0: Delaney, huh? demanded Annixter abruptly. You and he were pretty good friends, were you? Oh, yes, she answered.
1: He was just as good to me. Every day in the summertime he used to ride over to the seed ranch, back of the mission, and bring me a great armful of flowers, the prettiest things. And I used to pretend to pay him for them with dollars made of cheese that I cut out of the cheese with a biscuit cutter. It was such fun. Oh, we were the best of friends. <clears>
0: There's <throat> another lamp smoking, growled Annixter. Turn it down will you see that somebody sweeps this floor here. It's all littered up with pine needles. I got a lot to do. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye, sir.
0: Annixter returned to the ranch house, his teeth clenched and raged, his face flushed. Ah, he muttered delaney huh throwing it up to me that i fired him his teeth gripped together more fiercely than ever the best of friends huh? by god i'll have that girl yet i'll show that cowpuncher ain't i her employer her boss i'll show her and delaney too it'll be easy enough and then delaney can have her if he wants her after me an evil light flashing from under his scowl spread over his face the male instincts of possession unreasoned, treacherous oblique came twisting to the surface all the lower nature of the man ignorant of women racked at one and the same time with enmity and desire roused itself like a hideous and abominable beast and at the same moment hilma returned to her house humming to herself as she walked her white dress glowing with a shimmer of faint saffron light in the last ray of the afterglow a little after half past seven the first carry-all bearing the druggist of bonneville and his womenfolk arrived in front of the new barn immediately afterward an express wagon loaded down with a swarming family of spanish mexicans gorgeous in red and yellow colors followed Billy the stableman and his assistant took charge of the team's unchecking the horses and hitching them to a fence back of the barn. Then Carraher, the saloon-keeper in derby hat, Prince Albert coat, pointed yellow shoes and inevitable red necktie, drove into the yard on his buckboard, the delayed box of lemons, under the seat. It looked as if the whole array of invited guests was to arrive in one unbroken procession. But for a long half-hour nobody else appeared annixter and Caraher withdrew to the harness-room and promptly involved themselves in a wrangle as to the make-up of the famous punch from time to time their voices could be heard uplifted in clangorous argument two quarts and a half and a cupful of chartreuse rot rot i know better champagne straight and a dash of brandy the druggist's wife and sister retired to the feed-room where a bureau with a swinging mirror had been placed for the convenience of the women the druggist stood awkwardly outside the door of the feed room his coat collar turned up against the draughts which drifted through the barn his face troubled debating anxiously as to the propriety of putting on his gloves the spanish mexican family a father mother and five children and sister-in-law sat rigid on the edges of the hired chairs silent constrained their eyes lowered their elbows in at their sides glancing furtively from under their eyebrows at the decorations or watching with intense absorption young vacca the son of one of the division superintendents who wore a checked coat and white thread gloves and who paced up and down the length of the barn frowning very important whittling a wax candle over the floor to make it slippery for dancing The musicians arrived, the city band of Bonneville, Annixter having managed to offend the leader of the Dirigo Club Orchestra at the last moment to such a point that he had refused his services. These members of the city band repaired at once to their platform in the corner. At every instant they laughed uproariously among themselves, joshing one of their number, a Frenchman whom they called Skeezics. Their hilarity reverberated in a hollow metallic roll among the rafters overhead. The druggist observed to young Bacca as he passed by that he thought them pretty fresh, just the same. i be, uh, busy, I'm very busy, returned the young man, continuing on his way, still frowning and paring the stump of the candle. Two quarts and a half! Two quarts and a half! Ah, yes, in a way that's so, and then again in a way it isn't. I know better. End of Book One, Chapter Six, Part Two